Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Just stone cold set up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with it on a Super Bowl week edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. He is Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing wonderful. Also, uh, before we get to uh, the third member of our team, shout out to Travis, best damn videographer in the podcast game. Boom. Working on giving you guys kind of a, not necessarily behind the scenes, but a visual edition of the Blitz for those of you who get it. At horns247.com, whenever Travis and Travis, uh, Travis, just simple head nod. Your schedule's getting a little uh, steadier right now. Yeah, hectic. <laughs> He's heading into Atlanta, not for the Super Bowl, just for traveling the week of the Super Bowl. Which well, whatever, is much worse. whatever Travis's schedule permits, he uh, he will be in here, and we'll give you kind of the visual edition of the Blitz. Uh, a man who uh, he is a he's a visual learner because he's visually stimulated uh, by a lot of things in life. That's what happens when you're a Renaissance man. And he is the Renaissance man here on the show and on 1049 the Horn Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL when he was done with football. Got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. When he gets that T-ring in, he's going to wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is always and forever a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers and Rod. What's up, brother? Nice to meet you, I appreciate it. We, we got to thank the uh, the Blitz family. You got a DBU hat last I week. I did get a DBU hat. It got hat. sent to you? I saw yeah. one of those. Those things My look cool. My last stand hats, man, they hooked it up. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's legit. It was. It was. It's uh, It's really nice, man. It swagged out. So I, I don't even wear it every day because I don't want to. I don't want to like you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of get run down. No. I want to be nice. I I, I remember I learned that like my you know Texas I mean? national championship shirt. Then yeah. I wore it too much, and I was like, I, it goes away. So I learned, and yeah, I have the Astros World yeah. Series one that just stays away to be nice, good, it's well conditioned. Especially event hat, basically. Is what it comes that was a quick too. turnaround so too, because we did the blitz last Tuesday. <laughs> and yeah. I went on. I want to say and by within. The t- by the time I came in studio with you on Thursday, you had a DBU. I want to say it came like yeah. I want to say it came Wednesday or Tuesday or something like that. So yeah, nice. I believe his name is Mike. He was the guy. Who was the uh, the one who helped start it or the founder. So last stand hats. So shout out to last stand hats. Yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so a lot going on this week with the Super Bowl. We won't spend very much time on the Super Bowl. We'll just say one way or another, Malcolm Brown's getting a Super Bowl ring on Sunday. It's either going to be Malcolm Brown with yeah. the Rams or That's Malcolm Brown with the Patriots. Yeah. Nice. One of them will get a Super Bowl. Hasn't ring. the other Malcolm made the Super Bowl well every year now? His rookie year, they were in the AFC Championship. Okay, game. so then three in a row. So he's been in the league for four years already. So he's, That's hard Malcolm Brown's never done worse than the AFC Championship game in his career. <laughs> I was telling Rod this. You can win some bar bets with this one. Just go out there. Okay, so if you were to say, well, Brady in the ch- conference championship game or free- LeBron at the free throw line, which one you take? 
And it's like, percentage-wise, you take Brady, 13 or 17 championship games in the years that he's finished when you take out his broken leg. So that's like 76%. You have LeBron from the free throw line, 73.8%. So it's like, it's more reliable that Tom Brady will be in the championship game than LeBron at the free throw line. That's nuts. He says there's zero chance he'll retire after the Super Bowl, too. He's coming back, just so you know. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, no, what do you mean why not? Everybody wants Tom Brady to retire. I love Except him. Except for great. him. He's the GOAT, but everybody, even even Bill Belichick wanted him to retire. That's why he had he wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to take over. Yeah. Like, everybody wants Tom Brady to be done. Giselle, uh, everybody who's an AFC uh, football fan of any team other than the Patriots, and yet Tom Brady won't go anywhere. He refuses to go no, away. It's like, hilarious. Yeah, he's like a White Walker at this point. You know well, what I mean? He's like, what was the, <laughs> the theater of the mind that you and I and Craig Way <laughs> built up. Now I look back to our sports buffet days and laugh whenever. Because he was the first one to talk about the emperor of yeah. the dark side and his Darth Vader and being the hoodie and being Tom Brady. And it yeah. like really does seem as he if is. they've sold themselves to the football gods and no, just control is. everything. He is. He's basically Darth Vader or the Night King, whoever you want to call him. Darth Vader dies, so I don't know. I'm calling yeah. the night well, I mean, right that's now. the thing, but it took a long time for Vader to die. It's true. He basically yeah. was. Yeah, Unless you're no, saying that Brady no will legs. go forever. He had no legs or arms, basically. Yeah, that's <laughs> Brady. Brady's <laughs> going to be going till he's all, I mean, I know Darth football Vader ends for everybody, but I know football ends for everybody, but let's hope it ends for Tom Brady with all of his extremities. <laughs> he's right gonna, no, he's going to play so long. In the future, he's going to end up just being a <laughs> Then he's going to be an old. He takes off his mask, and he's an old black Darth guy. Vader's Robert. Is it gonna be wow. like like Jax from Mortal Kombat with like two cyborg arms? Yeah, or something? Yeah, that's what Darth, and then, Darth Vader and is. then yeah. you have Belichick looking yeah. like the Emperor yeah, of the right. Dark Side, and he's over there with his hoodie. It's on. true. I agree with that. Right. Well, um, sounds about right. We're not talking about the dark side, yeah. but we'll go behind the burn orange curtain here on this edition of the show. Rod, last week we were talking about the running back situation, and that's a good spot to pick it up because you said it, and I agree with you. It's the most talent deficient position on the forty right now. We talked about well, maybe you know, maybe if Kyle Porter decides. Stick around, maybe you'll, you know, what you could find in the grad transfer market won't be significantly better than Kyle Porter. Well, I guess it will be because Kyle Porter's probably not going to be a Texas. Kyle yeah. Porter's now in the transfer portal. Tristan He's Houston's out. in the transfer portal. Uh, so we'll see what happens with both of those guys. I would expect Kyle Porter to try to go play somewhere else. Both those guys are going to graduate in May and try to move on. Um, so, Rod, you look at it now, at least for the spring, um, I would think the game plan might be let's keep Keontae Ingram in bubble wrap, just make sure you get him to August 31. Intact. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't Make have sure to. He's, he's not competing for the starting job anymore. It's his. So. But really, this spring, just get stronger and get faster. This spring, I think the staff really needs to take three guys: Danny Young, uh, Kirk Johnson, and Jordan Whittington, and figure out what's your packing order at running back. I think it's easy, honestly. I mean, the running back position is easy to project. I mean. I think we all agree, and I think I said it on this show, that Keontae Ingram was going to be starting running back by midseason. Mm-hmm. And I think even before midseason, we're all like, oh, it looks like he's going to end up being the best option at running back, even if he's not the starting running back. Right? I remember on this show, when we saw Deontay Foreman one time, we were like, oh, he's the best running back. I don't know why Charlie Strong won't start him. And he went the whole year and didn't start him. Didn't start him until, what, 2016. And then he ends up winning the Doe Walker Award, all right, the first year he's a starter. So it's not hard to project running back, all right? So it's every show you have to go to be. Let me give you my Black Stradamus prediction, all right? Keontae Ingram's going to be your starter. If they're going to have Jordan Winnington playing running back, he is easily your second-best running back. It ain't even close. That's already a done deal. Even before he steps on campus, if he ain't already here, he's your second-best running back. And then after that, you have situational guys. 
Danny Young can be your when you get want to get in that power package. You want to get into I'm talking about a real power package with Sam Mellinger and then Danny Young back there either as the guy that yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, you want to get you want to get into a true like kind of power stack formation. That's your guy. And then Kirk Johnson, if healthy, you know he can be a guy that kind of stretches the perimeter for you. You know what I mean. He can get a guy that can run get into the screen game. That you can run the draws with him. Maybe he's your third and long kind of third third down running back if you need that as a spell. Uh, but right now, yeah, it's Kenta Ingram and Jordan Whittington. If Whittington is gonna be and like you said, he's going to be taking most of his reps at running back. The running back situation really makes me wish Darian Brown was here for the spring. Because if he was, I think you might oh, yeah, be able to keep, it, yes, yeah. At that point, you might be able to keep Jordan Whittington at that H position, that slot position, and Darian Brown would go into the summer being your number two running back. That's a good point. You know what? I will say this, though. I don't mind because, okay, Jake Smith, I'm assuming, is going to be an H receiver yes, too, okay? all the way. So yeah. I don't mind. Listen, look at, the new, look at the new age of the running backs. Let's even look at the Super Bowl as, it's, as it is right now, right? The new age of the running back is a guy that can come out of the backfield and also uh, be a receiving threat. Like, that's right. just go. that goes without saying. Like, the old age running back, like, you don't pay those guys. People want to know, why did Todd Gurley get the big money? Why is Zeke going to get the big money? Because they give you added value. I always compare old school running backs to guys who, just, who can just run the football and are not receiving threats. They're um they're like they're like cell phones, right? Cell phones used to be expensive. They're not anymore. You can go get a cell phone right now if you want to. Now, if you want a smartphone, one that's gonna be able to give you, you know, all your apps and get your Tinder and be able to, you know, I mean, have your your Uber on there and your Lyft and a smartphone that can give you all the added value and all the added advantages to increase your exponentially, you know, ex- exponentially increase your quality of life, then that's gonna cost you a ton of money. The latest smartphone is like a, I don't know. Probably a thousand dollar phone, probably Easy. more than that. Easily, Easy. all right. Uh, that's what the new age running back is, and Jordan Whittington can be that. He can be your Alvin Kamara. He can be your Todd Gurley. He can be your Christian McCaffrey. <clears throat> even your Zeke in a role where, yeah, he's he's a running back. That's his designation. But if I motion him out and he gets a free release, oh, he can beat you inside. If he gets a two way yeah. go, he can beat you inside or outside. If he's matched up on a linebacker or a safety, and we can do that at any given time. Darian Brown's got that skill set also. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, you know, and and, and um, Tom Herman had that with the, uh, the 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 young man who transferred from Texas. What's his thing? The running back, the U of H. Give it, give it to me. Catalan. Duke Catalan. Duke Catalan was basically that for him. You yeah. know what I mean? He was that he was that guy. They didn't use him exactly I'm, in that but way. Duke Catalan caught 40, 45, 44, <laughs> 45 balls. It was one year for But what were they? Look at Brady. They were swing passes. They were quick little oh oh linebacker matched up. Look, swing it to him. Swing it out to him. You know what I mean? Little quick little flares. It was like the first play of the Georgia game we talked about. Like it was it was almost exactly like, like right. an old school sweep. You're just throwing it instead of pitching it. How often do the Patriots look like they're doing something like that with James White? <laughs> and it's like, no. oh, they just kind of matched up on, you know, a linebacker. So, oh, hell no. They the match, they put a linebacker on this guy? Okay, let's go. Quick out to the flat, see if they can keep up with it. So, if you look at everybody, every great offense now has that type of player. And the, the Kansas City Chiefs do it a lot just to kind of make the NFL comparison. For Texas, the pro spread is a pro spread. I like Jordan Whittington in that role as that type of running back, the new age running back, the smart running back. The running back discussion as a whole takes me back to the early signing period when Texas missed on Trey Sanders and Noah Kane. And it just makes me wonder, Rod, I don't disagree at all with what you're saying. I agree with you, you know, because you look at where that running back position is going and versatility is is at a premium now. And what we're seeing, you know, with – you know, teams make it work. You you be, you got to have more than one. You got to have multiple backs, and you got to have versatility. Yeah, to no make doubt. it work. 
my view is, and I don't have any inside information on this. I'm just reading the tea leaves and piecing things together. I think what Tom Herman and Stan Drayton really want is they want what they had at Ohio State with Zeke Elliott with Carlos Hyde. I think they Carlos want Gass. a guy that they can turn around. You can hand that guy the ball 25 times, and you know he can be your bell cow running back. Yep. But I think what we saw with Texas this past season, it proved you can have a, you know, above average solid running back group without having one of those guys. Yeah, I agree. I think that's actually where more football's the, headed. Yeah, I was like, that, that is actually more the rule now. The ex, the exception is having a Zeke. If you're lucky enough to get a Zeke, the few humans you know that I mean? can do it, there's yeah. like ten of them out there that can just do it all. Otherwise, no. you want a guy that has you just serviceable it. enough skills. So yeah. then you aren't basically telegraphing what you're going to do on the field. You want them to be respectable enough that you would think, oh well, I'm going to hand the ball off to this guy, or he could block, but he can actually provide all of those different things to your offense. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying about the running back position. Like they, that's what they want. But if you don't have that guy, it's not the end of the world. No, especially. With with the talent that you have. There's very few of those guys in the <laughs> right. world. Like, in luckily, Texas, out of college running backs, Ingram's a guy yeah. that shows the skill set that he might be able to be one of those Yeah, guys. to me, you almost build your offense, like you said, around the multiplicity and the skill sets of different guys. And then if you get a Zeke, and, or if you get a Deontay Foreman, then you go, all right, I got a beast. I got a, I got a guy that can carry the workload, and I can give him the ball 25, 30 times a game. And he's gone still average four and a half, five yards a pop. Like he's that kind of player. Honestly, I don't see those kind of guys anymore. Tomorrow I see the guys that are turning into the, you know, the kind of the modern day Eric Metcalfs mm. of the world. You know what I mean? I see more of those guys. In fact, that's what I want. I want a guy that can do both. I mean, I would love to be like Georgia and have two thousand yard rushers. But <laughs> Sonny I, Michelle. We all? Yeah, like I think that's rare. Now they've done it two years in a row. I say rare, but I don't know if you can do that. I don't even know if you want to do that. I want more versatility in my offense. I like that Texas, what they're doing. I, I like the fact that they have, you know, Whittington and Jake Smith, you know, two guys that consider, you know, they can play in the slot potentially or play in the backfield, depending on the formation, depending on circumstance and down and distance. Even though, you know, and we've talked about this um, on the show, you know, this wide receiving class, some people saying it's the most talented wide receiving class Texas has ever had or close. Well, I mean, um, now now it's definitely in the discussion. And you compare it, it to, and we'll get into the, obviously, Brew McCoy, but you compare it to that, then you compare it to that 2000 wide receiving class where you brought in three five-star wide receivers that I was here to witness, B.J. Johnson and Sloan Thomas and Roy Williams, and it is, you could argue, it's different, and it, it may have a higher ceiling because of the versatility of it. Like, those the wide receivers I came in, they were wide receivers. I mean, that's where the right. game, but that's what the game called for us. The game was about then. Look at now how different and versatile, not how athletic these wide receivers are. Mm-hmm. With Brew McCoy being one of the best athletes in the country, and then Jordan Whittington being able to play running back and wide receiver, and then looking at Jake Smith, who's a Gatorade player of the year, but also a guy who's kind of the modern-day Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's kind of Alvin Kamara to me. That's how I see him. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's how I see his skill set. But that other group wasn't as versatile. This group brings you different dimensions within your right. offense, which is why I think I, I like it a little bit more. You know what I mean? I, what I, I like yeah. the versatility of it. So what hard I, to defend. What yeah, I'm, like, you know what I mean? Like, you, know, you can't game plan. You can't really match up with all these guys necessarily. It's almost like the way the NBA was. Used. 
you look at the guys like how the 90s, though, was a, a more of a one-on-one type game with the ability for guys to take each other on. And it's sort of how receivers were defined as possession receivers. But then when you started to see the evolution of skill sets and now you have people that are able to, it's just like it seems like the specialization across the nation has just brought it up to where now what you would sort of envision. Yeah, we would have loved our outside receiver to be super fast and quick and also have like the footwork of a running back but like there just weren't that many people doing that that early of an age and nowadays whenever you can ask more of players the younger they are the more they can do at by the time they're out of college and head to the pros we we talked about what you're going to have to see is you're going to have to see just more of the pro spread offense in terms of what this offense really can do with all these different pieces because there were times where like we said you really didn't need to show all that much and we saw right even with a a limited view of what this offense can do when it's clicking. I mean, we really haven't seen all the arms of it yet, but you saw, look, you want to take away Colin Johnson? Great. Okay, Lil Jordan Humphrey is going to go for nine catches and 100-plus yards and a couple touchdowns. Um, You know, you want to stack the box inside. We're not going to run between the tackles. All right, we'll just run that power stretch with Sam on the goal line, and he'll figure out a way to get in. So, you know, you you can't – it's 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 a pick your poison offense almost yeah. when it's clicking and you've got the kind of weapons that Texas had last year and then and that you're gonna have going forward. My thing with the run game guys is this, and you know this we'll talk about this a lot during spring practice is number one what you're gonna get out of the offensive line and that thing is a consistent work in progress because I think you know, I've said it before I say it again I think you're a couple recruiting classes away from really looking at that offensive line where you could say okay yeah you're You've got enough talent to where you can pretty much do whatever you want with the guys you've got in place. But for 2019, I really wonder how much this offense is going to miss Andrew Beck. Like Andrew Beck now, based on what he did at the East-West Run game, Rod, people are talking about him as being a guy that might make an NFL roster because of what he brings to the table because you know teams don't carry – fullbacks on their roster that much anymore no but as a third tight end who can be a core special teams guy and be your h-back fullback in short yardage people look at beck and say okay if you want to make him your 51 52 53rd man uh yeah he can fill a lot of different roles on a roster and you look at how huge he was in the run game last year that to me is i don't worry about the running back position given that everybody stays healthy because that's the one thing we don't know Mm -hmm. about if everybody stays healthy, I don't worry about the talent you've got at running back or even the depth per se. I worry about the pieces around the running back to make that thing go specifically. You know, now is the time. We've been talking about it for two years now. Now it really is time. Cade Brewer, Brewer Reese Lato, what do you two guys bring to the table? Yeah, I think, um, no, I agree. Andrew Beck, I mean, what's making him money probably is guys like James Devlin uh, for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Now he's the Patriots kind of bringing back the fullback, going old school. Uh, Kyle Shanahan uses the fullback forty percent of the time, and yeah, what's his name? Juice check, juice check. Yeah, yeah, using forty percent of the time in their offense. So there's almost this kind of um, kind of retro uh, kind of throwback movement with some of the latest innovative offensive minds saying, no, just because he's a fullback, if he can do, he has, he has an elite skill as a fullback, meaning James Devlin can open up holes. Period. Uh, and same thing with use check, right? Mm-hmm. They can just block. They can get blocked. I mean, you can send them down the A gap or the B gap, and they literally can remove a defender from the gap. If they're that good at doing what they do, you really can have them out there, and then you can use play action 
and you can run those guys on wheel routes and like quick flare routes and get them involved in the passing game too. But it forces the defense to devote eight guys to the box. Right. Like you have to. If that guy's that good, then basically he is almost like taking up two defenders. Right? You got to devote because he's going to take out one guy, and then you don't want to take out one guy, then move on to the second level. So it is. It's kind of. It I, makes it, you pick the defense that you're facing. Yeah. You get to determine then, what your best option is at exactly. that point. And then if they want to go 40 personnel and they want to man up, uh, then as long as you got a wide receiver that can win on the outside, and the and the, the, the Patriots have that, they got Gronk, and then they got Edelman, and they got Hogan, guys they can trust the chemistry of Tom Brady, you really can find a way to win. So Beck, I. I don't know if he's as accomplished a blocker as those guys, but it's definitely room for it. Because even the Saints, you saw them in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they randomly brought up fullbacks and H-backs. I think he's more of a fullback yeah. than an H-back or yeah. a tight end. But fullback is making a resurgence in the league. There will be some copycats. I think half the league has a fullback on the roster. There will probably be more of that now with the Patriots doing what they're doing. No, the Cowboys love fullbacks. Cowboys like fullbacks. And those blocking tight ends. Do we remember Jeff yeah. Swaim? No, no, it's crit. I know nobody's nobody's getting on the Patriots for going old school. Yeah. When the Cowboys go conservative and old school with, with three tight ends on the field, all of the Cowboys fans lose their mind. And it's like, well, the Patriots are doing it, but the Patriots are so masterful at making it work in the Cowboys or not. So, you know, I mean, they may have the same Far thought process, it. but yeah, you can't execute it the same damn way. So, yeah, we'll see how the Texas running game comes together. Like I said, with Cade Brewer, Reese Lato, it's time for those guys to show you what they ooh, bring to the that's table. A, we ain't talking about those two guys enough. I love those tight ends, man. They're going to be big. Yeah. They're going to be big. Uh, they're they're going to have to be because, yeah. you know, losing losing back and losing three starters on the offensive line, I mean, you're you're going to have to get that pop in the run game from somewhere. And, and you know, I don't know, you know, the run game, we talked about it all year. Was it great? No, but it was it was good enough when you needed it to be. Yeah. And I, so I think that's the bar that's been set for, for this run game and this program under Tom Herman. Does, it doesn't need to be a dominant run game for you to be effective on offense. It just can't be bad. Well, and it's yeah. sort of when you look at the just what the parts you're given, what you can do with those parts. And at the beginning of the year, we were hoping that the parts are just average up front. And if that means that if you can get good production from just average, then continue this building blocks and maybe you'll be able to turn it into what you've really envisioned it to be. And uh, when you talk about what this offense can be, guys, yeah, it's time to bring it up because, you know, especially if he's eligible, Brew McCoy makes the transfer from USC to Texas. One of the crazier things I've seen since I've been covering recruiting for 15, 16 years now. Uh, Yeah, he enrolls at USC, takes a couple classes and realizes this isn't really what I want. He ends up at Texas and he's on the 40 right now. And, you know, picture got tweeted out by uh, our Mike Roach tweeted out last night, him and Casey Thompson getting some work in. In the stadium, which Casey Thompson, Rod, Rod, I love the way you put it. He must, he must tell his story now that he's out of the portal. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's a, he's one of the only people that have survived the portal and then come back home to his original, you know, location. Like usually, you go through the portal to a different place. <laughs> Sounds a lot. Never cooler. come back. He came back from the portal. You know, I mean, we got to talk to him about that. That should be a good. They, uh, Texas football should do a little thing about that. They like to do a little, little quirky stuff. Do something about that. That'd be cool. Yeah. So I'll just read you guys this post from uh, from Mike Roach at Horns Twenty Four Seven, and then we'll talk about Brew McCoy. 
this is from Mike on Monday night. McCoy is settling in nicely in Austin so far, and this is what Mike's picked up from a few different sources. Uh, I spent some time with the Gabriel Floyd and Casey Thompson, so I guess that would be Sunday night. Uh, we know about the relationship between Floyd and Brew, but Thompson is a guy who was big behind the scenes during this recruitment. I told the two met during Brew's official visit and kept in contact throughout. Casey was there to greet Brew and his family when they arrived in Austin. He helped McCoy move into his dorm room and took some time to get some work in with him tonight. So, Rod, not only is Casey Thompson back in the program, he's helping the new five-star wide receiver move in. Hey, man, that's a smart thing to do. You know exactly. I mean? Get that report get going wide, Yeah, I was say get the wide receivers to your quarterback. That's never a bad idea. Uh, smart move. So this is the other part, and we'll talk about this from Mike. I was told by one source, Brew feels like this is a load off his shoulders now that he's in Austin. I was told the feedback from his informal workout was that Brew showed off speed fluidity and crisp routes, uh, and then Mike talked about the picture. So, Rod, we talk about replacing little Jordan Humphrey. We talked about, okay, you might have to money ball it a little bit between this guy here and there. Uh if Brew McCoy is eligible, this is pretty easy to figure out how you're going to replace little Jordan Humphrey. Yeah, uh, if he's eligible, I guess that's the big question. Um, and I honestly, I think right now a lot of the momentum is that he will be eligible. A lot of people uh, think it'll happen. I would say cautious optimism, guarded optimism. It's the NCAA, so we never know what the NCAA is going to do. But I, I think that we are – the NCAA is smart enough to know that either they're going to have to change the yes. rules or kind of modify the mm-hmm. rules – or they're going to have to, at one point, change the definition of a hardship. What's yeah. a hardship? And hardship for everybody's different, right? So everybody's mm-hmm. trying to get the hardship waiver. If he wanted to get the hardship waiver for him, a hardship was, hey, Cliff Kingsbury said he was going to be here. He's leaving, which is also something unprecedented. Yeah, We had never seen a Cliff Kingsbury situation really in college football <laughs> to the NFL. We never saw a situation quite like that. Yeah. If he's claiming that that was the hardship, that particular circumstance— then he does have a valid case because now we're seeing coaches leaving all the time. Man, right. Manny Diaz just had a job for mm-hmm. 17 days yeah. and then decided, hey, I'm upgrade. He went, hey, that's a transfer portal right there. Mm-hmm. All right. You know what I mean? So I think the NCAA understands that people are starting to get upset about not only the way these coaches are leaving, mm-hmm. but now they're starting to just they're starting to do what the players do. Yeah. Oh, I went somewhere for a little while. I don't like it here. This is not what I thought it was going to be. Oh, I got a better job? I'm leaving. So there's no loyalty either way. So you do got to change something because it does seem unfair. And I know they're like, well, the guy's got to sit out a year. And we can talk about all that too. But, man, listen, you, you got to tell stories like Tummy Tuberville going to the bathroom <laughs> during a recruiting visit. Uh, you know what I mean? And then never coming back. <laughs> on, on, the kids at the table during an official and visit. And the yeah. kids find out later on during the recruiting visit the next day, oh, he took another job. All right, yeah. like and then you got you know uh, I think Randy Edsel has another story like that where after mm-hmm. the Fiesta Bowl about. against Oklahoma he you know he talks to the players and tells them all this stuff about you know uh, being loyal and integrity and then he doesn't ride the plane back with them but takes another damn job I think at Maryland I mean hell day, and they hear about it uh, via text Mac Brown Twitter. Mac Brown had an official visit weekend where Sunday morning at breakfast he's trying to explain to a group of like seventeen recruits why Will Muschamp the night before took the Florida job. You know I remember when that. he spent the the whole day Saturday talking about how you're gonna fit in his defense and yeah. looking for the future, and then he's gone. Those are only the stories that we hear about. That's becoming more of a regular occurrence all across college football. Even Nick Saban's upset because mm-hmm. he got coaches leaving him without giving him notice. Dan, I mean, you know, because... cleaning out his office. Where is he? Oh, he's like, gone. He's gone. Do you know what you've been doing <laughs> to people for this yeah. long? So, so when he go to the store, like, no, he, he's gone. He's gone. G O N E gone. Stuff is gone. He gone, coach. Yeah, so I think we're getting to the point now where, all right, we got to fix the system. Until they fix it, what's a hardship? Uh, so yeah. Tate Martell um, in his situation, 
and Justin Fields in his situation, and I think Brew McCoy, I think those three instances, because they're so high profile and because they're they're such you know big time athletes, all five star guys, one of those three guys is going to get the waiver. We don't know which one. Now, Justin Fields is playing the race card. Brew McCoy is playing the coach's leaving card, uh, even assisting coaches. And I don't know what the hell Tate Martell is going to That's the play. interesting one for me <laughs> because when Tate Martell announced he's leaving Ohio State, it was, oh, I'm transferring to Miami. And by the way, I'm hiring a lawyer who I'm letting you know is going to find me a loophole to get me eligible. He might have a better mm-hmm. chance than anybody. Yeah. Like, it's not like, well, it's not like you're even trying to be, like, deceptive about it. No, I've hired a lawyer, and he's going through it with a fine-tooth comb to see where Because they know is. the NCAA is just this shell that's so reactive. Exactly. And that's the main thing, yeah. that it's great to see the momentum because we've heard these just inadequacies across the all college sports, but football is the main one because it gets the eyeballs and the attention. And so much and just recent yeah. Years when you've seen the coaches and the tide sort of just swing, that players slowly getting some type of traction and rights, but still haven't been able to ride that wave or get onto a wave. But the one thing is, is the NCAA always will react, and we've had more and more and more people talking about this. Then you actually see that the coaches leaving, it's happening at more of a rate than we have ever before. And just the contradictory nature, they've been sitting here, and the whole contradiction is the NCAA and its hypocrisy throughout. So it's getting to the point that you can feel that they're knowing that they have to give and give a little bit to the players. So at this point, this is one of the most simplistic ones. It's like, well, if you're letting the coaches do it the players should if yeah. their coaches go quickly get that and then you started to see like the red shirt rules amended this year and we've mm-hmm. seen some small stipends and i think and all those were all reactive things and just like this one i think the tide will as long as the right people are doing it they're star players fields a star player same with martell they're big schools and if you get the right lawyer in front of it and knows yeah. I, they don't even have yeah. anybody to represent Tex- the yeah. other side Te- with Te- it texas today. will make He's sure like, that i will McCoy take this paperwork is properly filled out yes the, yeah, yeah, they will go to the yeah, end so yeah. it just sort of took the right person challenging the whole situation and we've had more and more continue to challenge it so they're going to continue to give because they know that they can't lose it entirely because ncaa really doesn't do anything right now yeah, yeah. i mean the Bruce McCoy situation is different because he did enroll he was a student at usc so <clears throat> whether he signed a letter of intent or not it's irrelevant the minute you set foot in a classroom you yeah. you fall into your transfer guidelines and you're a student athlete and you have to go through the transfer process now my thing rod it's a slippery slope man because if you start granting you know hardships based on coaches leaving or something like that i really believe you're gonna and i'm not just i'm not trying to to speak disparagingly in Brew McCoy, I mean, as somebody who covers the program, hell, I want to see Brew McCoy on the field as a true freshman. Who doesn't? But if you're going to start using, you know, assistant coaches leaving as that being a reason for giving a hardship waiver, you might as well just go across the board and say, you know what, from now on, as a player, you get one free transfer, no penalty. You get one freebie. I, you know what, that's not great. I, I think Seems that easy. I think that okay. So within maybe within. Um, you know that time frame, right? We're talking about the the first semester that you're on campus. Mm. Maybe you should have specific Especially rules if about you're that. Early enrollee, like yeah, that. Like early if you enrollee, just been in high school. You know, what I mean, early commitment, things change, that kind of stuff. Maybe within that first semester, things have changed. My idea, and it's kind of going along with what you said, but maybe put a little bit more restriction on it. I think they should make it based on grades. So after that first semester, 
if you got a, a 3.5 and every 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 school is different, right? So whatever it, it takes to get into Texas is different than what it takes mm-hmm. to get into Missouri or whatever. Yeah, you have to make sure that you meet the requirements and criteria to get into that university. And so if, if you were a junior at this school, you might be a sophomore at the other school, all right? Because it just ain't the same. But if you have a 3.5 GPA, you should have no restriction on transferring, period. Like if you are a three, if you if you can meet a certain GPA requirement, they should say, you know what, you can you can you can transfer without penalty because that would not only incentivize young men to make sure they are prioritizing education to right. make sure that they can keep their free agent status, but mm-hmm. it would show me at the NCAA now you care about education, your graduation rates would go up, what? everything would go up, and you know what the truth is. We know half these guys ain't gonna be able to keep a three point five if they tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's just, if but, they tried their hardest. At, so I think to me, you want to have a nice, healthy balance. That's a nice, healthy balance. You get a good GPA, three point five, whatever they whatever they want to say. I don't know what it is. Then you can transfer without restriction. That's why I love the graduate transfer rule because you look at Shane mm-hmm. Bouchelle and Kyle Porter. You're right. They're both gonna be able to transfer with two years left. Well, guess what? You worked your ass off. You graduated you in time. It. Yeah, you go you go play it. you two years you somewhere were an else. Awesome student Gary athlete. Yeah. Was. yeah, you were an exceptional yeah. student athlete. Good for you. I think you know what? Let's push that even further. Okay, you guys want to transfer? Give me a three point. I don't know. Make it three point six. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Like make even, it make even, it something really really tough. I don't know what's really really tough these days. I've been away, a while. Even if you did away with the freebie rod for Brew McCoy, or you do away, did away with the freebie, and you you know if you want to, I guess punish in air quotes Brew McCoy. I don't think it would be a punishment, but if you want to say okay, instead of getting the four game red shirt year, you just get four to play four. Whether you get injured or whatever. You transfer, that's fine, but you've got four to play for. Yeah, my yeah, actually, I put the, through that idea out there with KD uh, and Chad earlier this week. If the NCAA wants to punish you, then let you own your eligibility, right? So if you have, say you have, what, five years now of eligibility, basically, and if you include your red shirt, then say, okay, you owe us a year of eligibility then. Yeah. Like, no, I'm no, saying don't even give them the option. Just say, okay, you've got four to play that's for. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. No, no, but my point is give it to them. Give them the choice. Yeah. Give the players the choice. Quit trying to dictate terms to me. All right, you don't own my eligibility. You are you are just a fictional, shady, borderline <laughs> criminal organization. So say, all right, you know what? You own you know what? You own your rights, player. This is the whole problem with it, right? Uh-huh. You don't own me. So quit trying to tell me what my eligibility is and what it ain't. You don't own me. You don't pay me enough money to own me. So give me the give me the choice. Yep. Keep giving me choices. Say, okay, you know what, young man? You got five years of eligibility. Now you can decide to sit out a year and keep your five, because you might get hurt. You might need your five. You mm-hmm. might be Jordan Shipley. You might be Bo Scaife, mm-hmm. right? You might need it. Or you can decide to give me a year right now because I'm going to take that year. I'm an NCAA. Okay. I need that year. You can give it to me right now, and then you'll lowly have your foe. You know what I mean? Like, I start giving me choices. Yeah. Quit, trying to, quit, quit trying to tell me what to do. I'm a grown man. Like, that's the whole problem, what's going on with the NCAA. Yep. You are a criminal, all right? You won't even take a stand against criminal, uh, criminal sexual assault against children. You won't take a, a stand against the mass sexual assault of women on a campus. Don't try to tell me what to do with my eligibility. Just give me choices. You're a business organization. You, are, you don't have a moral compass. You have a money compass. Right. So let's conduct business like that. Treat me like a business, like, like, I'm, like this is a business, and give me choices. And say, all right, you can do this or you can do that. Okay, that's fine. So that's what we got to get to. I think the conversation's got to change about them telling them what to do. And that's, that's what part of the problem is right rights. now. That's why the, exactly. That's why the players are like, no, 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 I want this. I want, my hardship is this. How you going to tell me what a hardship is for me? <laughs> if somebody yells the N-word at me, that hurts my feelings, Justin Fields says. Right. All right? So an N-word to me might be, you got, a white man going to tell me what an N-word means to me? That that ain't a hardship? 
Can't do hey, I got to grow up in it. Right. No. You I, know what I mean? It, it, what about Brew McCoy? Maybe he was really attached to Cl- Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe he smelled. He smelled like queso and 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 Febreze and and cool water. And he really liked Cliff Kingsbury. And he looked good walking in there like Ryan Gosling. And he really got attached to him. How you gonna tell that young man that's not a hardship that that now he left and now he's heartbroken? Because exactly. Cliff Kingsbury was considered to be the guy that was going to lead him to the NFL and maximize his potential. That's what at least he told him when he sat down on that couch. So you can't. So you got to get back to players' rights and quit trying to define what it is for players. You're not going to pay them, then let them have ownership that was of the their point freedom I was and liberty. Make. Yeah, yeah uh, and you can't yeah. compartmentalize them all as the same. And that's basically what yeah, they're doing right exactly. now is not can't even treating them as if they have each unique situations. And it's because NCA isn't equipped to do. It's like you said, basically they were grandfathered in to a situation that got so big that now they're just trying to hold on to whatever they can and really can't mm. regulate anything within it and it's so perfect that you have big stars from big schools as the ones taking this on and doing it all at the same time because the conversation's been around at least mainstream media sports for the past five years something that it wasn't for our entire lives growing up you never even heard about the idea of player rights and it was more like oh just be happy with what we give you the damn free workforce and then we got our new ones <laughs> and then it's yeah. now the NCAA sort of oh, damn, we're lucky that we were given this entire yeah. free workforce and now we can't screw it up or we're totally done. Exactly and right. that's where they're at that tipping point right now. Exactly right. There, There's a, there's a historical precedence. If, if Brew McCoy's lawyers, if his team wants to go down the road of getting him immediate yeah. eligibility, there is. You know, we've seen it. You go back to SMU getting the death penalty. And I know I'm going way back. Oh, no, right? I like it. Go, go back, back and look at SMU getting Pony the death Excess. penalty. When they they said the program suspended, guys were allowed to transfer immediately. Yeah. No no restrictions. Yeah. From, uh, eligible immediately. Well, I'm sure some of those guys that transferred were probably some of the biggest, committed some of the biggest transgressions that got them the death penalty in the first place. Very true. They did. Okay. I agree it's go to <laughs> go point. to the Baylor situation when you have the our brows fall out and yeah. said, okay, you signed a letter of intent, whatever, go wherever you want to immediately. Because the thing there was indefensible well, hardship. Well, it well, <laughs> it became a deal where yeah. oh well, we were like, no, it, no, if you were recruited by Baylor at that time, and I'm not saying anything disparaging about the kids that ended up at Texas or wherever, but if you were recruited by Baylor at that time. There was enough you, chatter. You, you, you knew what was you going on. It. Yeah, you heard about yeah. it. Yeah. No so I don't think you, you couldn't sell, you know, well, yeah. we didn't really know what was going then, on. Right. Or it was just that the NCAA was this the happened. situation there. They couldn't just yell and say, all right, well, you're screwed. you got to stick with it. They're like, no, this is ghastly. We cannot let make these kids be tied to something. But that, that's but if I'm Brew McCoy's yeah. team, that's what I'm going to go say. Like, you really I mean agree. to tell me those kids at Baylor had no idea what was going on? Yeah. You really want to tell me those kids at SMU back in the day that they were all just innocent bystanders and had nothing to do with that program getting get, get, getting the death penalty? Yeah, they just once it became official, right? Then you know they had they, they, and and they should have, by the way, but had yeah, there a reason to leave, right? Because not all of them do know, and you can't assume or then blame the players or act as if they should know when it's an institutional issue and the institutional framework that's what is think, what the, the problem look, is in the first look, place. Look, at the end of the day, that's why I think, you know, because when you start talking about where the head coach leaves so you get out of the letter of intent, well, that's, what, that's what makes – what if your relationship with the running backs coach is the relationship that you went to that school for and yeah. he leaves? right? Rod, like you said, what makes your hardship different than mine? I think when the yeah. 
dust settles on this, I, I, the change I think we're going to see happen, and it's not a bad change, but get you, a get, freebie. you get one freebie. You get a freebie. Which, you know what? That's I, and I, I agree with your, you know, your, your thought process is that, yeah, all right, you know what? No complaints then. You get your one freebie. Yeah. You got your one mulligan. With, we nobody's good. nobody's lowering no, up. You don't nobody. need the waivers no more. Don't, don't try to do anything they, nefarious. We'll still have hardship waivers, but they will be designated for people who have deaths in the family. And I'm talking about real hardships. All right, I'm talking about natural disasters affecting them, Hurricane Katrina type stuff. Don't hit me up about you. You you missed home and you were really sad. and Your girlfriend broke up with you. I don't want to hear that. All right, you get one mulligan. So I agree with you on that. I would go one with the 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 like uh, the GPA idea because I want to kind of promote you know the academic aspect of being a student athlete. But I'm with you. Either one of those. Either way, we agree. They got to modify it. Right. It's mm-hmm. time to change. And it. I That's think, the whole point. I think you say the the hardship is look. I want to keep my my five years to play four. I want to keep that. And I'm I go to school at Washington State, but I'm from Waco. And, you know, both my parents are sick and nobody's there to take yeah. care of my brother. So I go. need to get back home. That's real hardship. Stuff. Yeah. 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 Not just, you know, circumstantial, situational. Yeah. You know what I mean? So kind of first first world hardships is what I suppose right. we should call them. <laughs> and that's where we had the both conversations and you're entirely right on it. And then you still can also have the argument that, well, at least give us player rights equivalency to, with the coaches and or along the lines that is at least more modern for our situations than how it has been because we only did it that way. I, I wouldn't doubt, I, I wouldn't be opposed to them doing both. Like, I'm serious. Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be opposed to both. Like, I... I, yep. You know what I mean? Like, and then make it, then make it a four point GPA, and you can transfer any any way, anytime you want to. Like, I I would not be opposed to ha- them having a a stipulation where if you have a certain GPA, you have freedom to promote just the the random guys to going. Man, I'm just gonna focus on my studies right now until I get my athletics or right. If you're you know below I mean? that G, if you're in this range, you lose a year. If you're in you this know what range, mean? like I, you yeah. gotta sit. You got yeah. Like I am about. I'm all about that. <clears throat> like people are like, oh, that's crazy. Like, well, we're already trying to regulate. You know, behavior with these young men. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we're gonna do that, then let's put a let's incentivize education. It's mm-hmm. just like anything with the NCAA, <laughs> though. We're we're only gonna see transfer reform at a time where it's so just out of control, yeah. and so ridiculous that the NCAA. Well, maybe we need to step in and do something. You, you need to, to shame step, them. You, you need to, to step in them. twenty years ago and do something about transfer. You got to shame them into it. It's almost like no, no. You know what happens? It's uh, you know, it's like the Baker Mayfield rule, that kind of thing. But remember Shabazz Napier? Mm-hmm. He goes on national television before the national championship game for yeah. UConn basketball and says, "I go." to bed starving some nights. I go to bed hungry some nights. People mm-hmm. are like, whoa, that's crazy. And that goes national. I'm talking about the views talking about it. Everybody, mm-hmm. it's on USA Today. It's New York Times. He's starving. And the NCAA goes, a year later goes, unlimited snacks. Free snacks yep. for everybody. Free food for everybody. Yeah. You have to shame them into it. That's why I, these young men, I'm not mad at what they're doing. I'm no. not mad at Justin right. Fields playing the race card. Shame the NCAA into mm-hmm. making change that is necessary. We've got a couple minutes left, and I want to get to Brew. to be fair. I want to yeah. get to Brew McCoy <laughs> as a player because I don't know if you guys gotten a chance to check out. I haven't out watched any, any film now. yet, so I, okay, I will you're, say that. You're talking, about a, guy, you're talking yeah. about a guy at 6'2", that can play outside, play inside. I mean, I even think if, if this isn't the plan, if, if Texas wanted to flip him over to defense, I think this kid would be a hell of a rover or maybe even grow in to a B-backer for Todd Orlando. <laughs> B.J. But, Foster on the offensive side. You know, wow. Rod, again, you, you talk about how are you going to replace Lil' Jordan Humphrey. Going back to our point we made, I think, an hour and a half ago, if Brew McCoy is eligible, it's pretty simple how you're going to replace Lil' Jordan Humphrey. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't watched someone film, but from everything I heard, and obviously I trust your evaluation, 
You're talking about matchup nightmares all across the field, potentially, at the wide receiving positions for Texas. Yeah. You know, with Colin Johnson and 6'6 frame and, you know, a John Bird and a Devin Duvernay and their world-class speed and a Brew McCoy, you know, those types. of, But even a Jake Smith in a slot. You're talking about just matchup nightmares. To me, like, yeah, that's what you want if you're Texas, that in any situation, if somebody it would dare – cover one of your players one-on-one, then you can go to them, and you can exploit that matchup. If Brew McCoy is eligible, Texas has the best collection of perimeter skill talent in the Big 12 Does he start week one for Texas? I don't know if he starts, receiver? I don't know if he starts, but like we've seen with mm-hmm. Keontae Ingram and a bunch of other if freshmen, I don't, I don't think it matters. By midseason, he will be contributing. Yeah, uh, yeah no question about it. Yeah. And he also has like the most Texas name. Whenever first I heard people McCoy. saying Brew, and I thought of your boy Coach Brew, and then I think of McCoy, and it's like, oh, Brew McCoy. His name is Horace, though, right? I don't know, man. Ho- I'm glad he, I'm glad he got awesome. a nickname, Horace. That's even better. Uh, I know one famous Horace, and that's Horace Grant. So <laughs> I, I always believe that some names you should change them because there's there's not a likelihood of you being famous when your name is Horace. The best, I don't know, uh, man. The that's, the, that's the reason why you keep it, though. Is there's not a lot of Horaces yeah, out there. No, there aren't. It's, it's like a Helga. Horace, man. There yeah. aren't many Helgas, and there yeah. aren't many. There's something like, about, yeah, like, there's no hot Matildas if out there. If your, your name is Horace McCoy the third, like you seem like you should be wearing a monocle like the Monopoly. That sounds a lot more sophisticated. Because our best yeah. guest that I used to have on with Ken Milam was Horace Gore, and that was about See? as redneck of a horse. person I've ever met. It's only horse. I don't even horse know a, a horse personally. No, he is brew and uh, no. to the point where like people on our bo- our, on our message board on the flagship message board at Horse Twenty Four Seven are like, what, what number is he going to wear? I got to get my Brew McCoy jersey. Like, <laughs> See if he's going to be eligible first before. Is he? He's the highest by- rated recruit that Tom Herman's ever had. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That includes Ed Oliver is out there. So. Uh, I gotta right? go look at where they were. Because Ed Oliver is a five star, right? Yeah. yeah. McCoy now was you're a composite. Because Ed Oliver four. was. I mean, Ed Oliver was pretty high, but I know. I know. Yeah. It's Matt, funny. keep that up there. Let me uh, throw this into the four Google four. machine. Okay. What, what is Brew McCoy's? Nine nine four four. Uh, Ed Oliver was a nine nine ninety nine six six. Oh, okay. Ed Oliver edged him out. Okay, so offensive player then. Oh yeah. Most high, Five-star, legitimate consensus five-star skill players in the same class since 2010. That's awesome. Oh, in 2010 it was. Oh, oh, don't tell me. Mike Davis was one? My, that's an easy one. Uh, We're talking about the 2010 recruiting class, so it's like a yo, boom Garrett, or bust class. No, no, no. no. Skill players. Damn it. What's John? No, John he wasn't here was very long. Jonathan Gray was later. I don't know. I don't know. How about Darius White? Oh, oh wow. Yes. Yes, oh, Darius, Darius White, White, the number four. Number four. That number four. He looked like Roy Williams for the Roy Williams yeah, changed yeah, that yeah. number forever. Good one. Yeah, you're the right. The guy yeah, who tried to tell Doriel Greenbeck of not to come to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might have been a blessing in disguise, too. Doriel Greenbeck about a lot of issues. But hindsight is 2020, my friend. He would have getting kicked out of Texas anyway. Let's be honest. He would have probably Well, hell, if they would have given him four, you know it wouldn't have worked out because Texas had a run of guys where – Ain't exactly going smooth with guys that try to wear number four. Hold up, so th- how many five stars are in this class? Two. Well, three three technically because Tyler Owens is a 24-7 sports okay. five-star. Brew McCoy uh, and uh, Jordan Whittington are five-stars. So stars technically that 2000 class is still the best wide receiving class Texas ever had because you had three five-star receivers. Yeah, Rob, but like you said, it, it didn't have this much versatility. I, I think it has more depth and versatility in this class. You don't have that you, class probably ranking-wise probably was higher. You don't have three You don't have three five-stars, but you've got two five-stars and you've got the Gatorade Player of the Year in Jake Smith. Yeah, 
I know. And a forward. Four oh, and player by the, the way, year. Marcus Washington is like a top 150 guy. I agree. No, I'm with you. I think the depth <laughs> is – I'm with you. I think the depth and versatility is better, but I'm sure people will argue me down that that 2000 class was it, – it was it was nasty now. It was nasty. Tony Jeffrey was in that receiver Tony class. Tony Jeffrey too. was in that – The forgotten man of those yes, times. They, who led the – I believe he led Texas in receiving in like 2004 randomly when what they had the two was, tight ends, when they had David Thomas and Bo Skies. Yeah. It was Tony Jeffrey, I think, was the leading receiver. Yeah, I forgot who it was. It was uploading film, and it was – of your foot was Ben Wells. Oh, yeah, Ben Wells. And wasn't yeah. it you covering Tony, Tony Jeffrey, Jeffrey yeah. in Tony, that? Yeah, it was. Film? It was me covering Tony, like, Tony, Tony Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah it was Tony Jeffrey. And Tony I only Jeffrey think of him, thank you for catching that pass in the Kansas Vince Young year. Like, Tony that's was a, a Rod, good player, Rod B's up to, his, up to his shoulders and sleeves and wristbands on the practice field. You, man, you're, you're, I look clean. I look clean out there, man. Yeah, that your footwork looked like the Matrix on that film clip. It was nasty, man. It didn't look human. Hey, the footwork used to be cold. That was my one. That was my X-Men quality was my footwork. Everything else, yeah, was pretty pretty human. Hey, Earl, Earl Thomas doesn't lie. Earl Thomas is an honest guy. He said you still had the best feet in the world, right? Yeah, my footwork was nasty. I worked hard at the footwork, man, for real. All right, well, ne- come back next week, coming off the Super Bowl. We really get into uh, no football Ooh. time. We didn't get a t- chance to get into the Senior Bowl, so maybe we'll get into some draft stuff oh, next week. Oh, that's right. Charles Minnow, who made a lot of money, and Chris mm-hmm. Boyd. Lost a lot of money. Yeah. Oh no! There yeah. were four. Chris Boyd still got to meet with four teams at the Senior Bowl, though. So well, I'm talking about the play on the field. Yeah. Well, well at least <laughs> trying to end it on a positive note, <laughs> right? No, 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 no. And I think Chris Boyd is actually going to end up being a steal for NFL. Yeah, the combine. So which yeah, yeah. probably the field yeah. should matter. Maybe he's our, more. He's our, but he's, our, that... he's our new Shocky Brown. I mean, that's basically. <laughs> Yeah. Parting shot here, uh, Charles Amenahu, 36-and-a-half-inch arms at the Senior Bowl. Longest arm measurement at the Senior Bowl since 2013. Longer arms than Miles Garrett measured in the pre-draft process. Just Ooh. file that away. Yep. Yeah. File that away. About when you start longer. seeing Charles Amenahu's draft stock. Just oh, no, it's just soaring, man. It's going through the roof. Yeah. All right. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019 and twelve sixty streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com where you get Rod each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you can get this show anywhere you get your podcast and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.